Hello and welcome to Look for the Helpers, an ICT-SOS podcast. My name is Amber Gonzalez, the Education Coordinator for ICT-SOS. Today is a special episode. Back in November, the weekend, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, starring Tom Hanks open in theaters, we held a private screening for many of our favorite helpers here in Wichita. You are about to hear from recent Master's in Social Work graduate, Liz Upton, and our Executive Director, Jennifer White, discuss the life of Mr. Rogers and how his work impacts the work we do. You will also hear audio clips from a few helpers recorded during the movie screening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. For further information about ICT-SOS and how you can help or donate, please visit our website, ictsos.org, and follow us on social media at ICTSOS. You can also find today's show notes, links, and reporting lines on our website, www.ictsos.org forward slash blog. Mr. Rogers as a kid? I did. What was your favorite episode or moment or song? Um, I think my favorite part was always seeing the trolley come around the corner. I thought that was so cool and then when it would go away then you knew the whole next world was coming to life. Awesome. So. Did you, um, was there any like particular episode or anything that stood out for you? I just remember that um, so many of them just made me feel comfortable and made me feel good um, because there was such a, a sense of support and um, there was always positive outcomes. My favorite part of the show was the opener. His opening song and changing the sweaters and changing the shoes and yeah. I don't have a specific episode or character that I liked the best but that's what I liked. Yeah. That feeling you get when you see Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Happy. My favorite part about Mr. Rogers is just the routine that he would have. He was so consistent, and every episode, no matter where you came in on, you kind of knew exactly what what was going to happen next. It was a very comforting feeling. Hi, everyone. I'm Liz Upton. I am a practicum student at Wichita State University. I'm getting my master's degree in social work and I am spending my final year with ICTSOS working with them. Um, in November, the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood came out and our executive director, Jennifer White, rented out a theater to show the movie to local helpers. We took the time to go around to a bunch of them and ask some questions about if they watched Mr. Rogers growing up, uh, what was their favorite moment or feeling or experience from watching Mr. Rogers, and why did they choose to become a helper? So each episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood starts the same way. Mr. Rogers comes inside, hangs up his jacket in the closet, puts on his cardigan, and changes his shoes, all while singing It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And no matter what the episode was going to be about that day, Mr. Rogers always started the show with the same routine. And many of the helpers that we spoke with stated that the routine and consistency of the show is one of the reasons that they loved it. Uh, the routine and consistency is something that provides a sense of comfort for fans of the show. When um, Alexandra Castro-Claren 
looked at the viewer mail that would come into the show, she noted a letter from a 13-year-old boy living in Brooklyn. This boy was a fan of the show when he was younger and noted that he had stopped watching the show a few years previously. In the letter that he wrote to Mr. Rogers, he stated that when he stumbled upon the show again one day, he saw the same Mr. Rogers singing the same lines that he grew up with years previously. And he felt a lot of comfort in turning that back on and seeing him. And he felt like he was seeing his Mr. Rogers again. And he said that he was kind of embarrassed to be watching it, but he considers himself a graduate of the program. And he is really proud of that fact. So when we asked our helpers, um, what they liked most about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, several of the helpers said that when Trolley would go through the tunnel into the land of make-believe, that that was very exciting and comforting for them. They enjoyed seeing that part. Um, the majority of the residents of the land of make-believe are puppets. We have Daniel Tiger, King Friday the 13th, and X the Owl. Um, Daniel Tiger has many songs about working through difficult things, such as feeling angry or scared. And studies have shown that puppets are a powerful tool professionals can use when talking to children. Researchers in a hospital in Brazil found that using puppets to help the kids talk to their doctors about what they were feeling was a much better way to get the information that they needed instead of just talking to them directly. Uh, Mr. Rogers has actually been quoted as saying about feelings that if it's mentionable, it's manageable. And children don't always have the words to express how they're feeling. So Mr. Rogers provided a safe and manageable way for children to express themselves through puppetry and songs. Mr. Rogers also understood the importance of allowing children to express themselves. He was always encouraging viewers to say how they were feeling and never made them believe that their emotions were a sign of weakness or something that should be hidden away. I probably was born into a family of helpers and so my mom in particular and so then it just became very easy to do that and kind of just figure that that's expected or what I wanted to do and then it kind of you know bites you and then all of a sudden you can't figure out anything else that you'd rather do so I became a helper um, just because I feel like that it's a passion of mine to serve others and to, you know, just be that person for somebody throughout their hardest time. And, you know, that's why I love being a nurse. That's a good question. I think I chose to become a helper because I definitely saw the need. And um, if there is one way that I can help in any capacity um, for a child or a family, I am more than happy to do that. Now I'm here with Jennifer White, Executive Director of ICTSOS. How are you today, Jennifer? I'm good. Good. Um, so since you are the resident expert on all things Mr. Rogers, and you're the reason that all the helpers got to see that wonderful movie I wanted to ask you the same questions so obviously did you grow up watching Mr. Rogers? I did um, I grew up watching the show and then I think I'm just at the right age that my kids 
um, were able to watch it too before it went off the air and then, um, you know, in reruns and things. And so I'm kind of part of that generation that, that grew up with it and then got to parent with it as well. That's awesome. So what was your favorite moment or feeling or experience from the show? I don't know that I had a favorite moment so much as just, um, you know, like a lot of other people said, just kind of the general feeling of the show. Um, I don't think I realized this until maybe I was an adult, but I think one of the things that really appealed to me with Fred Rogers was he reminded me a lot of my grandfather. Um, they looked similar, <laughs> I guess. And um, my grandpa was one of the most just kind of solid, consistent calm, um, people in my life, um, you know, throughout, throughout my life. And I think there was just kind of a, maybe a subconscious (laughs) connection that, um, you know, Mr. Rogers really reminded me of him. And then even especially after my grandpa was gone, it was almost kind of like a little piece of that still remained in my life. Um, just because their mannerisms were very similar. And um, my grandpa was also a person that was very um, solid in his beliefs and his convictions. And you weren't going to push him one way or the other off of that. But at the same time, was very open-minded and not judgmental. Mm-hmm. And so just that very solid, um, you know, calming person in my life. And I think... Um, Mr. Rogers was that for a lot of people that maybe didn't have that person in their life. Yeah, I can see that. That's cool. Um, So we know why you started ICTSOS, but you've been a helper long before that. So why did you choose to become a helper? I think it's just kind of always been in my nature. I don't know if it's genetic um, because (laughs) my, my kids are kind of wired the same way. My mom was wired the same way. My grandfather was wired the same way. So, um, you know, I think some of it is just, um, you know, that's just kind of how our family has operated. Um, I just know that in, in my life, I've been very blessed to have, um, you know, safe, healthy people around me, um, a safe place to live, food to eat, things like that. And so because I've been able to operate from that place, I feel like I have, um, not necessarily an obligation, but a privilege to be able to um, extend what I've been given to other people. It's interesting because a lot of the helpers that we talked to said something similar. Nobody wanted to credit themselves with it. Everybody said, I was either born into it or I looked around and saw a need for it, so I jumped in. And I think that's really neat. I think that's the nature of helpers, though. Nobody says, oh, because I'm a superhero. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think um, just, you know, from a, a leadership standpoint as well, you know, my philosophy, I guess, on leadership has always been to come at it from a servant perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think some of the best um, helpers are also some of the best leaders in mm-hmm. our community. Um, so it's neat to kind of see that overlap, especially with some of the amazing people that we get to work with. Cool. So I actually did not grow up watching Mr. Rogers. I'm so sad for you. I know. But um, I, my daughter watches Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and those songs, I sing them to her (laughs) to get her to 
think about her feelings and everything. So when I actually watched the movie, um, I wasn't sure how I was, if I was going to have an emotional reaction to it, but uh, coming from my social work perspective, he was like the embodiment of a social worker. He oh, really absolutely. was. <laughs> absolutely. Um, what a lot of people don't know is he was actually um, an ordained minister. So there's some rumors that he was a sniper and, you know, all these <laughs> kinds of things. He wasn't. Um, but his his ministry, his ordination through the church was actually for television. Um, and oh. so he was he was given um, kind of this special assignment um, through the church to be able to use television as a ministry. And, um, you know, it wasn't a faith-based program as far as, um, you know, speaking about God and spirituality and things, but um, those concepts and, um, you know, just kind of that social worker heart, Mm -hmm. I think it really came through. Um, Everything that he did with the program was very intentional uh, very based in early childhood development and research around um, emotional growth and, and things like that. So um, what seems on the surface to be this really simple, sweet kids show really had a lot of research and um, intentionality behind it. Yeah. And I also like that in the movie he said... Um, you know, what's the most important thing to me right now? And it was talk, he said it was talking to the the reporter that he was talking to. And it connected with me because I think everybody can relate to the fact that we don't do something and be fully present in it. And that's a good thing that I'm keeping in my back pocket is whatever you're doing at the moment, that needs to be the most important thing that you're working on, whether it's recording a podcast or if you're working with clients or if you're with your family or by yourself eating, I mean, whatever it is, excuse me, that needs to be the focus. And also the fact that Mr. Rogers did talk to the kids like they were people and not like they were the property of their parents. And I, I really like that. And I'm going to be using a lot of that as I grow and learn more about social work. The, being present piece is really difficult, especially in the the day and age that we live in. And I'm incredibly guilty of, you know, I have my phone sitting here as we're, we're talking. Um, but it is so important. And especially when we're talking about, you know, being, walking through something with somebody that's been through something really tough. Um, it was interesting. The So I actually saw the film by myself before we did the screening and the opening sequence where Tom Hanks comes in um, as Fred Rogers and sings the song and changes the sweater and, and that whole thing. I remember in the theater it being almost uncomfortable for people mm-hmm. um, because it is so slow and so intentional and so deliberate, but you could almost feel people kind of ease back into that pacing and that timing and kind of reconnect with, oh yeah, this is what it was like as a child to be fully engrossed in what was happening on the screen and this relationship that he was able to build through the television screen with a child. And that was one of the things that um, he said many times over the years, his intention um, as he was talking 
um, to the camera was to connect with one child on the other side of, of that camera and have a conversation as if, you know, you and I were sitting here talking. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, with the people that we get to work with and the helpers that we see, whether that's the nurses or the, the officers or the social workers, um, I think a lot of what Fred Rogers was trying to do through that show, um, the reason it's been so timeless is because it's effective. Mm-hmm. And, and we see that play out now in the way um, our helpers are connecting with um, kids and with people who've been through trauma um, in really being fully present in that moment with them. That's sometimes a really scary moment. Right. And I think one of the things that people <clears throat> look at Mr. Rogers and they also look at our helpers and say, wow, I could never do that and everything. And there was another, there was a, a quote from the movie I really liked. It was the, um, reporter was asking his wife, what's it like being married to a living saint? And Mr. Rogers wife said, I don't like when people call him that because it makes it sound like it's unattainable. And I, I've only seen the movie once, but I think about that almost every day. I'm holding that in, in my heart now. Cause I'm like, that is so true. He was a very good man and said a lot of wonderful things and impacted a lot of people but it's not unattainable. And we have lots of people out there who are like, I just don't know where to start. And Mm -hmm. the truth is you just start. Well, and you know, at at the heart of who he was, you know, some of that is, is just the essence of who he was as a person. Um, but Joanne Rogers, um, his wife has, has said this in interviews over the years as well. He worked really hard at being the person that he was. He invested time in, um, self-care. And I know that's a buzzword <laughs> right now, but, um, he swam laps every morning. He prayed for people by name. Um, he spent time reading scripture and, and, um, you know, not only out of the Bible, but reading things in other faiths and, um, you know, just really investing in himself so that he could pour that back out into other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that, especially as helpers, we're not always really good at, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we get told that all the time, you know, self-care, self-care. And, and people think, you know, oh, that means, you know, taking the afternoon off and going to a movie or, or whatever. But, um, some of those self-care practices for him were things that were incorporated into his everyday life and part of his routine. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why Joanne says, you know, it, it is attainable. Um, you just have to work at it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big struggle for <coughs> all of us sitting in this building right now. Is <laughs> it's very easy for me to tell other people to go take care of themselves. I think it's difficult for all of us as humans. That's true too. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So we've been talking about the helpers that we work with, but a lot of people I know, especially to you ask, well, how can I help? How can I help? So how can I help? I think there's kind of two things um, behind that question. One, I think a lot of people get sort of paralyzed with this issue. Um, They hear about it. They see a documentary or, or hear somebody speak and they think, oh my gosh, this is this huge issue, human trafficking. Um, You know, I'm just a fill in the blank. Uh, you know, I'm just a mom, I'm just a community member, I'm just a whatever. 
and and it feels really overwhelming. And so one of the things that I really try to encourage people to think about is what are the things that you're already doing or the things that you already like to do? Because there's probably a way to plug that in. Um, you know, the way we're set up, we're very project-based and we're, we're that way on purpose so that people can kind of pop in and out on things without feeling like, you know, I have to commit to a monthly meeting or I have to commit to, you know, this many hours a week to be able to do something. Um, a lot of times it's the person that shows up um, at our 5K race and hands out water bottles at the finish line, or it's the person that bakes cookies for us to take um, to the kids in the group homes when we were doing Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's these these little pieces along the way that kind of all combine to make this whole thing work. Um, and that's not just with us. That's with a lot of the different organizations that we work with. Um, you know, I was looking at the room the day we did the screening and just kind of looking at all of the, the pieces of the puzzle that were in the room that day. And so we had medical and we had social work and we had therapy and we had law enforcement and, um, you know, community members, people that serve on committees and with events with us. And, um, you know, every single piece of that puzzle is essential to the whole picture coming together. And so, you know, like I said, I just would encourage people to think about, you know, what, talent do I have or what strength do I have that, that I could contribute in some way? Um, and then we can help people plug in. Um, we do some volunteer training through our next step class. Um, you know, we have some one-off projects here and there where people can come in and pack fresh start bags or, um, you know, help with a particular project that we have going. So it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where people get stuck sometimes. Um, I tend to be an all or nothing person and I jumped in with both feet, you know, almost nine years ago. And, but that's not typical of most people. And so, um, I think that's where people get stuck. You know, Mm -hmm. if I can't jump all in, um, start an organization, start a program, start a project or whatever, then I can't really do anything. And that's just not the case. Jen, thank you for sitting down and talking with me today. Um, If you are interested in volunteering or donating, you can check out our website at ictsos.org or you can follow us on social media. We got Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I hope you make it a snappy new day.